your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex for a little classic ATP flavor following Everton's euphoric 1-0 win against Manchester United at Goodison Park. Everton's first victory over United in the Premier League since April 2019, a 4-0 win under Marco Silva. Ending a run of five games without a victory, it was nervy till the very last second I was standing for like the entire second half, pulling my hair out, incredibly nervous. Anthony Gordon with the winner. We're going to break it all down and talk through it. I'm just really over the moon with this result. It just, you know, after the depressing defeat against Burnley midweek, great to be back on the show and great to have a win to talk about with you, Alex. Before we get into your instant match reaction, just a reminder to like, subscribe, leave us a review on your platforms of choice. We're talking about a win. You owe it to us. Leave us a review and help us out a ton. All of our links are in the description for social media, or you can go to linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod and join our Discord at invite.gg slash ATP. Now, Alex, hit me with the instant match reaction, man. I want to hear it. I am beyond excited. I mean, I was not expecting a win against Manchester United at Goodison Park, which I might add, I detest the stat that you read at the beginning because we should have won against United at Goodison Park when we went a couple years ago when the the late winner was was ruled off because Sigurdsson was on the floor. Um, But nonetheless, a really exciting um, three points for Everton. Uh, I know, you know, a big part of the narrative was, at least through the media, was, you know, how poorly, let's say, United played. But I think that we saw a lot of really, really good things from the Everton team. I thought we saw, like, Um, pragmatism in the way that we set up, especially after taking the lead. And I think that that's going to be a really important result for us moving forward, especially with our confidence levels. 100%. I mean, this is one where, you know, obviously an early kickoff, 7.30 a.m. Eastern. Shout out to our West Coast Toffees if you woke up for 4.30. I know not all of you did and you were punished for it. But, you know, waking up for Everton matches over really the course of this season has felt just like an exercise in punishment. You wake up early, you're groggy, and then you watch us look incredibly groggy on the pitch as well and usually slog to a loss. And then your weekend is completely ruined. But today, our perseverance was rewarded with a victory. And we had Derek at Yes Derek summing it up perfectly with his tweet. Another morning of, quote, I woke up for that. But this time, a joyous declaration and not existentialism. Really love that stuff there. From our Discord, we had uh, one correct score prediction. Mostly pessimism, of course, myself included. But we had The Bugle, who predicted 1-0, very narrow Everton win, because this is the only game in the realistic future we can scrape three points until Watford, and I want to be hopeful. Well, The Bugle, your hope was vindicated. Let's talk lineups, Alex, and then we'll talk about the match and the timeline as we usually do. I'll start with United. You know, coming into this match, this was huge for Manchester United. They obviously crashed out of the Champions League against Atletico a couple weeks ago, coming off the back of a draw against Leicester. I have a good buddy who's a United fan, and he was going on about how terrible they are. They've only lost twice until today in the Premier League since the start of December. So it just shows you, you know, 
those spoiled United fans just have it way too good. We've been suffering through losses every week, and they this is only the third time they felt it. Um, cry me a river, quite frankly, but this was huge for their top four hopes. They really, really needed these three points starting to slip away. Um, but throughout the season, they're fifth in XG in the Premier League, but they're 12th in XG against. So defense is a little leaky, but they're obviously, you know, producing quite a bit on the offensive side of the pitch. Ronaldo, their leading goal scorer. Uh, Ralph Ragnick, you know, they have the the managerial kind of uncertainty. It looks like Eric Ten Hag is going to come in. Um, but for today, Ragnick elects for six changes from the Leicester match. He brings back in Cristiano Ronaldo, Marcus Rashford, Nemanja Matic, Alex Tellis, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, and Victor Lindelof. So six total changes. And they go with what they typically do, which is a 4-2-3-1, expecting most likely to have the majority of the possession, which they did indeed do. Uh, and then on the Everton side, several changes as well, in my opinion, for the better. Alex, walk us through it and give me your thoughts. Yeah, so I, I will say, you know, the cameras were showing Ronaldo's face and you just felt after shipping three goals to Burnley that he was going to be a huge problem today. Uh, obviously not so much as we end up finding out, but for Everton, uh, we had four changes in total. Um, as you said, probably for the better, we had Coleman, uh, Keane, Alon, and Delph come in for uh, John Joe Kenny, Branthwaite, Holgate, and Ducore. In my opinion, Ducore probably really needed the rest, especially after his uh, recent performances. And it looked like a much more balanced midfield. You know, Delph ended up kind of sitting. Allen was more of a pivot. Nwobi was definitely at the 10. So it ended up looking like we went with a 4-3-3 in possession um, with Gordon and Richarlison kind of up high and then a 4-5-1 out of possession with uh, our wide players doing a ton of defensive work throughout the match. So let's start talking about uh, the tactical setup and how things played out. Yeah, I mean, uh, just quickly on the lineup, uh, Fabian Delph sighting. We know that he's been returning to fitness and finally gets his chance. And I thought he was critical today and really just kind of relieved to see John Joe Kenny dropped. I know Frank Lampard kind of persisted with him, but Coleman finally recovered from his illness. And we talked about on our space most recently, a couple episodes ago, Coleman's stats really and performances have been halfway decent, certainly levels above our other options at the position. So good to have him back. But in terms of the tactical setup, I think you hit the formation on the head, Alex. I mean, you had obviously Dominic Calvert-Lewin leading the line, Anthony Gordon kind of, pushing forward quite a bit, getting on the ball often. Richarlison as well. Um, Alex will be, like you said, at that 10, but sort of drifted out left quite often. We we saw a lot of our attack, 52% come down the left-hand side. Same thing with United also going down their left, 54%. I mean, we'll, we'll go through it, but the stats in terms of you know overall shots and things are, are and shot distribution are incredibly balanced, right? between both sides, 52% down the left, 28 down the right for Everton, 54 down the left, 26 down the right for United. So just kind of teams going back and forth. Um, and then the back line, obviously, I think we saw some conservatism, pragmatism, which we'll talk about more. Um, at times, I think both Godfrey and Keane were trying to drive the ball up, dribble it a little too much for my personal liking. But we also saw, especially early on, Alon really assert himself in that midfield general role, always looking to receive the ball, get on it, distribute, move the ball side to side um, when we did have possession. And then off the ball, I, I thought our shape as the game wore on improved and became more disciplined early on. I was 
pretty concerned with the ease in which United were able to get into our final third, but fortunately weren't able to come up with very much end product. Um, but again, similarly in terms of shot distribution locations, Everton, 57% of our shots inside the 18, 43% out United 50% inside the 18, 8% inside the six and 42% outside the box. So, all those stats would have you think this was a really even game. The actual, you know, individual player stats and team stats as we get into the timeline, which we'll do in just a moment, uh, aren't quite so even. But I think we saw certainly Frank instill a mentality in this team where we knew that we were going to have to hit them on the break. And I thought, you know, for the most part, we did that. Yeah, I agree with that 100. percent And and that was that was the good thing to see because again, you know, we've we've mentioned it before, like at Burnley too. I mean. Why are you going going ahead and then trying to throw bodies forward? I mean, I understand trying to get the second goal, but like we haven't been that great in attack. Um, and it's clear. I mean, Carlo, you know, Carlo was very successful in, in setting up this team pragmatically to finish even 10th last season. And obviously that was through a ton of injuries. We probably would have done a lot better. Uh, so I think it was the right setup. I think the players were really, really disciplined um as they went through the matches you said it was really good to see because another huge issue has been loss and loss in concentration throughout the match which was really 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 highlighted against Burnley um but you know I will say to start off the match in the first five minutes or so I mean it was scrappy but Everton did kind of um assert themselves a little better than than they have in in other matches but after the first five minutes I think United kind of settled in and started applying some pressure to the Everton defense yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on that. Um, we've started games brightly. It feels like consistently under Frank, or at least you know looked to go toe to toe with the opposition, and then it feels like when that initial spell wears off and the game finally settles down, we just immediately look like we're on the back foot. And that was somewhat the case today. I think maybe the first, like you said, five minutes, but then in the eighth minute or so, United started to get their first little bit of pressure, and we conceded our first chances. Uh, Keen, Michael Keen, with a pretty poor foul to give away a free kick, uh, and Pickford is forced into a save from Rashford off of the um, off of the ball into the box from said free kick, and then Ronaldo gets another chance and it goes just wide. So you're looking at okay, well, good save by Pickford. Fortunate not to be down already. Need to respond strongly to that. And Rashford had another chance not long after that, um, but. Everton had moments where we were looking to get out on the break and finding space and able to were able to string passes together. I mean, let's be real. It was incredibly sloppy from both teams, giving the ball away left and right, more so on Everton's part. But, you know, you, you have to try things. And it felt like even though there were some really nervy moments, most of our errant passes and costly mistakes were coming in areas that are less dangerous, i.e. in United's final third rather than our final third. Right, and that that's definitely important. I mean, as you said, the warning signs were there, and I don't think anyone feels, you know, that confident when you've got Ronaldo in the box and and they're putting pressure on us so quickly, especially with our defense. But as you said, I mean, we were scrapping pretty hard through the next fifteen or so minutes. Um, there wasn't a huge, a whole lot of quality from either side, but we definitely started seeing. Um, uh, we started seeing Tellez be very, very heavily involved early on, and that obviously continued. He was a really good uh, player, and I might add, we, you know, we've talked. As a side note, we've talked about Mikalinko's fee. You know, Tellez went for about the same money or very close to it uh, to United a couple years ago. Not saying that we could have attracted Tellez, but just to Ryan's point, as always. Uh, nonetheless, um, then in the 27th minute, 
Our first shot on target, Anthony Gordon takes a hit. Obviously, it deflected off a of Harry Maguire, LOL, to that one. Um, it was a really exciting time. Anthony Gordon was elated. I don't think he was mad at anyone not coming to celebrate this goal. And obviously, the Everton fans went ballistic singing his name. Yeah, how many more times does uh, AG need to get a deflected goal before we just realize that it's not it, it, it's on purpose? He's like the Zach Galifianakis meme with like the equations in his head. He's like lining up the shot like, okay, how do I need to bank this off of Harry Maguire to put it in the back of the net? I mean, it comes out, it's, it's, Awobi's involvement here is kind of funny because it looks so clumsy where he's like falling over, but he manages to get like a half touch on it out to Gordon. He curls it, rips the shot, ambitious. Look, that's why you take shots from there because you never know what's really going to happen. Ping pongs into the back of the net. Everton up 1-0 inside half of an hour. As you said, that was our first shot on target of the match, but I'll take it. It was also 60-40 uh, in favor of United in terms of possession. Uh, as I said earlier, pretty sloppy from both sides, but United had six interceptions at that point just to kind of highlight how maybe careless we were with giving away the ball. Nonetheless, we find ourselves in the lead with, in my opinion at the time, way too much time to go to feel any sort of comfort. I was really scared because we know that this team squanders leads like no other. Um, but really, I think we saw some really critical defensive plays. Just a couple minutes later, Ben Godfrey comes in with a ridiculous sliding clearance. And you could tell United were looking to respond. Um, and really, I felt like they were going to find their way back into the game within just like five or 10 minutes. It felt like that to me. Yeah, it did. But I mean, it, really, the rest of the first half was was pretty back and forth because, you know, after, you know, about seven minutes after Godfrey had the sliding clearance, you know, Richie goes up the pitch and takes a uh, what looked like a really nice shot outside the box. It was obviously um, a little bit deflected as well. But De Gea had to go um, reach high to save that, and we got a corner. But at the same time, though, Paul Pogba comes on for Fred, which I thought could be a really pivotal moment because we all know Paul Pogba, when he's on, he's on. And if anyone on the United team can break down a low block, a pragmatic approach from Everton, it would be Paul Pogba. Yeah, but we scary. saw, I mean, through the, yeah, but, but he really, at least through the first half, you know, he did not have that much of an effect. Um, in the 40th, you know, we also had a really clear foul on Awobi that was not called at all, which was really, really annoying. But yeah, at dude, that point in time, I mean, it felt like, you know, let's just close this out. Dude, John Moss just sucks, man. He is just so bad. It was such an obvious foul. There were a ton that he didn't call. Uh, my girlfriend was watching with me and she said, I think the quote was, I've never seen a ref at this level looks so unfit. So chunky John Moss just way behind the play always and missing stuff left and right. Um, and that gets us nearly to halftime. I mean, shortly before Mikolenko uh, on a cross, really dangerous, had a risky but pivotal defensive header that went like back over the bar to give United a corner. I was terrified every single time we conceded a corner, but it all worked out. We get to halftime, and from the time we scored the goal to halftime, 2278 to United in favor in, in terms of possession, but Everton managed to win the shot battle. United weren't creating anything with that possession. Three nil in shots, two to one in corners, two zero in key passes. And you just saw it reflected in the, the work rate off the ball. Even when we turned it over, we were getting back, we were maintaining our shape, and United were in some ways wasteful, but I also thought we were disruptive in preventing them from really doing much. Yeah, I mean, that is that is a huge tell right there. I mean, to, to only have 22% possession following the goal, 
Um, we obviously put in a huge amount of work off the ball, and it really showed. And it was it was good to see. You know, we get to halftime now, and in my mind, the first thing I'm thinking is, come on, Frank, give them literally the speech of your lifetime. Make sure to let them know, hey, Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey, stop dribbling out the back and giving the ball away. You know what I mean? Get back into shape. Wingers, keep working hard. You know what I mean? Richarlison Gordon, pinch him back in. Alobi was doing a ton of work off the ball as well through the middle, and I thought he was really good defensively as as the number 10 as well. Um, so I thought I thought such a good, you know, a good result in the first half. You know, people argue maybe that we didn't deserve it, but, you know, in my opinion, based on the stats themselves and, and the ineffectiveness of United to that point, I mean, it was anybody's match. Yeah, it was. And, you know, with the, the crowd having something to cheer for, the players going in for hard challenges really galvanized the Goodison faithful. Um, but that said, I was so, so scared coming out for the second half, man. I just had very little faith that we would be able to keep a clean sheet. So it felt like a second goal would be absolutely necessary. And I think United early on in the second half, they created a couple chances. There was in the 50th minute a ridiculous long ball from Bruno that like almost drops directly onto Rashford's foot. He tries a very ambitious volley, but it ends up wide. And then in the 50th minute, Pogba with a really late challenge on Anthony Gordon, who had just escaped him, picks up a yellow. Um, 53rd minute, Mikulenko. I thought he was really bright today. Probably his best performance so far in an Everton shirt. He helps win a corner, for uh, which Ben Godfrey then heads over, but we're still creating chances and threatening. Um, it, and it really, even though I was nervous in hindsight, now you could tell that United just were lacking a lot of ideas, um, and, and really struggled to break down any of, uh, our, our shape or our defensive discipline. And we kind of, dare I say, saw things out pretty smoothly from there though. There, there were a few other notable moments. Yeah. I mean, even, I think one of the Robbies on the post-match show said it best, like as Everton went on in the match, they looked more and more comfortable, which again is something that we haven't been seeing. Uh, but as you said, in the 56th minute, I think this is one of the pretty much the highlight of the second half, in my opinion. But Richarlison had some nice keepy ups on his head. And Frank Lampard kind of laughed at that when asked in in his post-match press conference, said it not usually for him, but he retained the ball and he worked his socks off. So he could give him a little leeway in that sense this time around. Um, but really, it was just more back and forth of the same for about 20 minutes. Uh, Anthony Gordon got clipped a little bit on his trailing leg. Um, you know, I don't think any huge complaints from Everton fans that he did not end up getting a penalty for that. Uh, but next, you know, we had essentially towards the end of the match, 10 minutes later in the 86th, we had, uh, the fans man of the match, the, uh, big shirtless guy rubbing his belly and his chest on screen. And that's also when Pickford got a yellow for time wasting, uh, naturally. And I think even at that point in time, one of the stewards like slowly held the ball outside of the, outside of the pitch and just like stared at Pickford and they both had a laugh. Cause he's like, all right, cool. <laughs> so I, it was, it was, you know, a funny time. I mean, you know, you saw the tweets too of the zip tie guy, like I'm going to need this guy to come out in the second half and disrupt <laughs> things on the count. If, if United get a counter. <laughs> it's so good, man. It's so good. The, some of the crowd shots, I mean, you, you just love it. You had people like, like me watching on TV, pulling their hair out. People like terrified, just waiting in suspense for that final whistle. We had in the seventy six Anthony Gordon with that that flop for a penalty, which you know was a decent bid, and then in the ninety ninetieth minute plus three that Michael Keane, the sh- I think it was a Ronaldo shot maybe, um, with what honestly felt like a handball, didn't even get reviewed, so 
let's just, you know, pretend it never happened. And then the final whistle. Also, five minutes of stoppage time for what? For what? There were no injuries. There were no significant moments that we that they had to stop play, and yet they're just throwing United a lifeline, giving them an opportunity to get back into it. it. Made no sense. It was ridiculous. That said, water under the bridge. We saw it out. So the second half stats: seventy uh, thirty possession in favor of United, which was basically the story of the match, and almost the same for the full ninety nine to three in shots in favor of United, but very few on target. Dribbles nine to five in favor of Everton. United win more aerials fourteen to ten. More tackles twelve to eight. Everton were dispossessed eight times, so still a little bit too sloppy with the ball for my liking. But at the end of the day, you see it out, and really just the result speaks louder than I think any you know mistakes that were made during the match. Overall, you saw them not fold, which is encouraging and obviously gives you like the barest minimum of a baseline to build on for Frank. You kind of get. Your foot, get a foothold as you're starting to slip. Um, And hopefully that's something we can build on. And on top of that, we had some, frankly, really solid performances across the board. Yeah, you know, and and to your point about just the the result itself, I mean, to me, it's just the intangibles that speak the loudest. I mean, I don't think I really saw players looking unsure of themselves throughout the match. You know what I mean? They looked calm physically. I mean, you saw like Pickford and... Delph even screamed, you know, when he was walking off the pitch, like, keep it going, you know, concentration, calm, etc. Um, so I thought the team did really well in that. And as you said, we had a lot of good performances. I think uh, I think maybe the only poor one would be Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more in depth. Um, but let's go with Anthony Gordon first, right? The, the goal scorer today, he had a goal. He had two key passes, which was the highest on the Everton team. Uh, he won three, pa- three fouls. He had a tackle, two interceptions. But here's the big thing for me, right? He only had two bad touches and no dispossessions. So he did physically retain the ball pretty well, although he did only have 50% pass accuracy with like 12 passes. Um, so I think, you know, and he had 30-something touches. So like, I think Anthony Gordon had a had an effective match, but something that we were seeing, you know, he likes to dribble a lot. He's trying to take on two, three players each time. You know, maybe the only thing he could have improved, I think, is just his willingness to pass the ball and interplay with his teammates. Yeah, it's still just a lag of end product a little bit for Gordon. Obviously, he gets the goal today and love to see it. But there were were certainly some wasteful moments in the final third, uh, some crosses that went awry. But I actually thought one thing that was really positive for me, in addition to the goal, was his corner delivery. Um, I thought he hit some really promising balls into the box. Um, and, 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 you know... I think rewarded he and also you could tell I mean he went down in the last minute and I was and they didn't stop play and I was like get up get up but you could tell he was gassed and hopefully that's not like a serious injury but I was terrified another player who I think deserves a lot of praise today Mikolenko we've talked so much about him the fee everything the you know maybe lack of ability going forward but we saw a little bit of everything from Mikolenko today I thought he looked really composed he looked much more confident than we've seen uh, willingness to take players on a couple times ended with three tackles, a couple interceptions, four clearances, some of which were incredibly important in the center of the box, really finding himself in areas where you wouldn't expect a left back to be, but impactful defensively. He also ended up with a key pass, a couple dribbles, including that one down in the United uh, baseline where he beat, uh, I think it was one, maybe Juan Basaka. He got a cross in. Lovely to see. Had three bad touches, but look, he's a young kid. This is a lot of pressure on him, and I thought he responded very well today. He did. I mean, I said, la- I said, uh, what, three days ago against Burnley, I thought that was a really good match for him. Um, 
<laughs> I say that after we shipped three goals, but him specifically. And he did even better today against United. I mean, we see a guy come in that struggled against Hull City to now Boston against United. He was definitely one of the best um, Everton players, in my opinion. So it's good to see. And that is the only way that we're going to have any solace from selling Lucas Dean is if Mikalinko continues to step up and looks like he plays the part. Um, but again, another defender I thought that had a had a really good match, especially um, following the last one out. Ben Godfrey had a, a tackle, an interception. He had 13 clearances, which is actually nuts. Um, he had a block. 77% pass accuracy, which was the third highest on the team. We're not going to count Ducore because he only had three passes. Um, but it's important to note in that stat, right? Nobody had above 80% pass accuracy. So it's definitely what you need. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's indicative of the fact that we didn't make as many mistakes um, in the wrong areas of the pitch, kind of like what you said earlier. Yeah, and look, Ben Godfrey has, has cost us plenty this season. But today, I think he was in all the right areas. The 13 clearances. And I think there was across the back line, the willingness to just hoof it when you need to like recognizing that that's what the situation called for and just booting it downfield. Even if it, you know, wasn't necessarily all that pretty it ended up, you know, giving United the ball back a lot. But when the opposition is looking so devoid of ideas, it's like, okay, well you need to beat us. And when they're resorting to Harry Maguire shots outside the 18 in stoppage time, I think that's when you can start to feel confident that they've been beaten at that point. Uh, midfield partnership of Fabian Delph and Alon. I think if we could pick two men of the match, I'd probably go with these two because the midfield has been such a problem area for us. And obviously we talked at the tail end of last episode, or you guys did about Alon coming back and how important it would be to have him returning from suspension. You put Delph alongside him, replacing Decore, who's looked a bit out of sorts and together they were instrumental. Uh, incredibly important. Fabian Delph had three tackles. Alon had four. They both had a 79% pass accuracy, which was tied for the highest in the side. So that ball retention in the deeper areas of midfield were critical, and even Alon able to get forward some. One dispossession between the two, and Fabian Delph ended with two interceptions. That one slide tackle that Fabian Delph had in the box was so beautiful and something we haven't really seen from him. He also had a couple uh, which seemed to be customary for him where he just flubs it and it looks just preposterous how badly he messes up the touch. But for first game back in such a such huge circumstances, you would have thought maybe he looked a little rusty. I thought he looked really composed in his ability to retain possession as well as play with both feet really critical. And I thought he complimented Alon really, really well. Yeah, they, they both had an assured game, and I think that gave the other players a lot of confidence. Both of them, especially Delph, was showing for the ball pretty much always, even with a man on, um, which is important to see. And, and like you said, their passing was perfect. Um, another player we got to talk about this time, um, Jordan Pickford killed it today. A lot of people calling him their man of the match. Obviously, you can probably pick a couple man of the matches, um, but he had four saves, two of them early on when we were talking about how United kind of opening opening the game kind of quickly um, in the first half. And then he had two parries and, and one claim. So overall, very, very assured. And he actually did a good job coming out to punch some crosses too, which is usually a weak spot for Jordan Pickford in general. Yeah, he looked really, he looked calm. He looked like he was a calming presence for the back line as well. The classic like push down movement that every keeper does, like settle, 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 and he's doing that throughout. And those saves early on were, were huge, and he had a couple in the second half as well. So, you know, you think we could have very easily been down 2-0 inside half an hour. Instead, we're up, and we were able to see that out, and Pickford deserves a lot of credit for his contributions there. 
Um, a player who didn't necessarily light up the stat sheet, but I think we should highlight because A, he's been kind of a favorite of the show, uh, and B, he's undergoing a bit of a renaissance over the last several games, and that's Alex Iwobi. He had a couple interceptions, um, really not a whole lot in terms of stats that stands out other than that, but just watching the match. He was finding pockets. He was retaining possession. He was driving the ball forward with pace when we needed it on the counter. Some of the, you know, stuff that he was trying in the final third didn't always come off. But like I said before, like that's where you're free to try to make stuff, have stuff come off. And if it doesn't, it's not incredibly costly. Like some of his errors have been in the recent past. So him at the 10 has been also, I think almost as important as the combination of, of Delph and Alon, that creative force and his ability to find the ball, link up quick passes, all of that. Uh, Alex will loved his performance again today. Yeah, totally agree. Definitely not one for the stat sheet, but pass the eye test for me. Um, and lastly, we obviously want to talk about our main man, Richarlison, right? He led the team in touches. And as we said, you know, primarily attacking down the left side, um, but he had three dribbles. He won five aerials, which is actually more than DCL. DCL only won four. Um, he had three tackles. He was dispossessed six times, but he had a couple shots as well. Um, and of course, he had about five head keepy uppies. So those should be on there. Maybe. <laughs> Totally. Either way, a really assured, uh, a really assured performance from Charleston. Uh, just like he was essentially putting the team on his back uh, last time out as well. Um, Lampard had a couple of important uh, pieces in his or interesting pieces in his post match press conference. He mentioned, and actually James and I had to triple check this because it doesn't feel like it. But he said that was our fifth win out of seven at Goodison, which is true. Adding in some some cup uh, some cup matches. He also mentioned fight and spirit. Which yeah, we love baby. to hear here on the American Toffee podcast. Um, he mentioned, you know, we fought for the luck of like the the deflection of the goal. Um, you know, he mentions, and we've talked about it, but he mentions that he has a vision for like changes in how we play. But like right now, results are more important than anything else. Um, he also singled out the fact that Delph was really calm and good with positioning, and and then obviously he made the cheeky comment about Richarlison's head dribbles. But again, I think we can all agree Richarlison earned it this time around. <laughs> absolutely with the match he was having and again for a winger to have the most touches on the team is crazy and he was feels like he's just one to try to you know grab the game by the scruff of the neck and get us over the line and really what towards the end when we needed to kill off the game the ability to keep possession in united's third and just not give it away and kind of suck the life out of the remainder of the match was huge and he played a big role in that um, we're going to wrap up here in a couple minutes because i know Alex has some engagements he must attend, but we want to get to some listener comments because we had some great ones for this match and some very, very happy toffees out there all over the world. We'll start with Sean Khan at King Khan 225. Another game of fine margins, but this time we were the beneficiary and defended for our lives very well in certain spots. Very gutsy performance. Having Delph Alon back gave a sense of calm missing at Burnley. Godfrey much more composed. Mina for Keen will be massive next game. Totally true. We got Kev at Kevin G715. Mikalinko seems to be getting more comfortable at Everton, and I'm here for it. Needed Delph and Alon back badly. More of the same, of course. Pickford was amazing. The rest of the back line was assignment sure. They need these kinds of performances going forward. We then had Rob Mitch 802 at the exact same thing. Said, seemed to be playing a more compact, deeper line, which helped the defense. Mikalenko solid, showing signs of getting forward. Delph solid. Awobi has turned his Everton career around in the last few games. Hashtag UTFT. Love to see it. 
And yeah, I think I think Rob hits on something there in terms of the pragmatism, like the deeper line. Really, when you're up one nil, realizing that might be all you need if you can just keep a clean sheet and not concede, and that's exactly what they did. Seriously, of course, what comes with that is you need solid defending, and we were able to do that, which was good. Um, Tim Olson at Timmy O says, seeing Gordon Awobi and Richarlison cover every blade blade of grass in their efforts was so good to see. We want to see effort above all, and the result is a direct result of that effort. Pickford is my man of the match, though. I think uh, I think no one would complain about that. He did a, have a solid outing. And we'll do our man of the match in just a moment, but we want to end our listener comments with this from Syracuse Toffees. The goodest and faithful carried the squad. Everyone doing just what they had to. Lampard using subs appropriately. Thank you, Sean Dyche. And actually, we didn't even really talk about the subs, just hit it really quickly. Obviously, we brought Damari Gray on for Dom in the 71st, which was needed. And Decore on for Delph, which was maybe a little questionable, could have shored up the defense. But again, water under the bridge. We get the result. We are now four points clear of the drop zone. And it feels good to be a Toffee yet again, Alex. So let's wrap things up here. Give me your man of the match today. I'm going to have to go with Fabian Delph on this one. And I think, you know, the crowd, the crowd gave him a standing ovation when he wa- when he was subbed off. And I think, uh, I think it was confirmed. I don't know that we really saw it on the broadcast, but I think uh, Delph had a bit of a knock towards the end, um, which is why Decore came on for him. Um, but either way, I thought, you know, for not appearing for X amount of months, coming in as a starter, playing the majority of the match and performing the way he did, but also um, the leadership that he brought. And I think the confidence in showing for the ball constantly really lent itself well and, and gave us a really good platform for the spine of the team. Um, James, who's your man of the match? Man, there's there's some good candidates today. And while I'm inclined to go with uh, Tim and say Jordan Pickford, just for the fact that he kept us in the game early and showed up late, I got to go with Richarlison, partially because I wasn't on the last episode, and I thought Richarlison was so good against Burnley, obviously getting a couple goals. And today, he just, again, he just, you feel like in a squad where most of the team hasn't inspired a lot of confidence amongst the fan base, and Richarlison obviously has had his struggles as well. The dude just works so hard. He's so likable. He comes across with that moment of keepy uppies. You love to see it. Leading the team in touches, winning aerials, leading the line when Dom came off tireless work rate love richarlison hope he never leaves and hopefully his contributions today lead to everton avoiding the unthinkable but we won't touch on that today because it is a day to be happy and rejoice and enjoy your weekend we appreciate everyone who tuned in i know this one's a little bit short but that's okay hopefully you can just bask in the glory of it and uh we appreciate you listening very much as always if you enjoyed it please again Rate, review, subscribe. You can find all the links to our stuff in the description. Link tr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Join our Discord. Do it now. Invite.gg slash ATP. You can find us there. Got a little bit of a break now. I think 11 days until Everton play next. Going to be time to regroup. Build on this. Hopefully Frank has plenty of time in training with the boys. And we see a strong finish to the season. That's going to do it for us. Until next time. Up the toffees.